Okay, peace be with you. Amen. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay. All right, so we are having Bible class today. Some people stopped me in the hall and asked me, and uh, yeah, we like to study our Bibles, right? So... Um, so before I kind of get into a little bit of what I had planned, uh, Pastor Grady and I were just kind of talking about a few of the just kind of minor changes slash adjustments uh, that have been made and wanted to make sure you didn't have any questions um, about anything at all. That's kind of an open-ended question, isn't it? So anybody have any questions about how we're doing the Lord's Supper? I mean, it's not that different really kind of than what you've had. Um, we just do what Jesus says. Take and drink, take and eat. That's it. Any questions? Really? Nothing? Man, you guys are easy. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. We did want to, what was it we wanted to emphasize? You told me not to forget it, and now I forgot it. Oh, yes. One of the things that we as pastors and also as elders would, would love to see and, and, and really what it is, is an opportunity to teach uh, the young all the way up through the old. Of course, none of you in here consider yourselves old, do you? No. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's a blessing. That's, that's a blessing. Um, so we are in need of some more people to help out with Altar Guild. And so if you are interested in doing that, there's a sign-up sheet in the Narthex. However, we are also now offering something a little different that's been done in the past, we would love to have mom and dad sign up to take a service and then bring the kids back with them and help teach them what's going on. What a great opportunity to teach uh, in setting that up. The Altar Guild will show you what you need to do, and we've even taken pictures and all sorts of stuff because uh, pictures are really easy, right, to, to just do what the picture does. Um, and so uh, if you've got kids, you know, especially fourth, fifth grade on up, Obviously, if you've still got some little ones, we probably don't want, you know, uh, a four-year-old carrying our nice chalices <laughs> or patents, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, fourth, fifth grade on up uh, would, would be great to have them back there to help set up, okay? And a great opportunity to do that, okay? Anything else you want to say about that, Pastor Grady? Anything else you want to say to them? So I can drink some coffee for a minute or two? How did we do with the Advent boxes, the reverse Advent box? See, I knew he wanted to talk. I just had to encourage him. Um, the reverse Advent boxes, I don't know that my microphone's even on. Um, you should be making them at home and bring them in uh, Sunday the 30th. We'll collect those. Uh, if you want to see examples, there's a couple people have dropped them off in there in front of the narthex window there under that little shelf, just box or bag with you know, roughly one item per day for the season of Advent, and we'll give those to uh, Lutheran Child Family Services. So, so that's called a Tenevda box? That's Advent in reverse. Okay, that would be good. I yeah. didn't know if you, oh. I, no, that's good. I was confused. You said reverse I didn't Advent, think of that. so. Yeah. But. Oh, that was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, thank you, Pastor Grady. Today what I'd like to do is just... Um, 
With our text that we had in the gospel um, dealing with Mary and Elizabeth, I thought it'd be good to refresh our memory a little bit of especially the first chapter of Luke. So I'd kind of like to go through the first chapter of Luke, uh, go through a little bit of the history uh, surrounding that, things that we've learned, things that we don't know. Um, there are two gentlemen who have really done a lot of academic work in this area, and they don't necessarily agree with each other. Uh, one is Reverend Dr. Paul Meyer. I'm sure you've heard of his name. Uh, retired now, uh, professor of, was it Western Civilization and History? Something with archaeology as well from Western Michigan University, I believe. Also ordained Missouri Synod minister. Um, I've gone to a number of his lectures over the years, and I have several of his books on my shelf. Um, and the other one is uh, Reverend Dr. Harry Went. Anybody know that name? He is the author of Crossways, uh, a Bible study, which has been around probably since the late 70s, early uh, 80s. And uh, uh, Pastor Went is, uh, he's kind of an interesting guy. He's Australian. Australians are always a little interesting. And uh, uh, went through seminary, did his doctorate, I think, at, at our seminary in St. Louis. Um, my dad did some of the artwork for his Bible study series back in the early 80s. And, um, and, and the Crossways Bible study is kind of all about tying together the theme and the story of salvation from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in that sense, it's really good. Uh, Dr. Went, uh, Pastor Went, doesn't get as specific with perhaps baptism and Lord's Supper as he should, uh, being a good Lutheran, um, but he does provide some history. And so between these two guys, Meyer and Went, there's some interesting uh, study of just kind of the Christmas story in general. And we're going to kind of get into that today as time permits uh, and look at a little bit, you know, did, did Mary really make the trip, you know, six, seventh months pregnant? Was she great with child riding on this little donkey? You know, would Joseph have subjected her to that? And I don't necessarily have an answer for you, but we're going to kind of talk a little bit about just the Christmas story. Uh, and even the three wise men, do we know that there were three wise men? And of course the answer is, we don't know. We know there were three gifts. There could have been two. There could have been 30. There could have been a whole pack of them. Um, and so, you know, were they astronomers? Were they sorcerers? Could they have been kings? And scripture just doesn't go into detail on that. And so when you start to study extra-biblical sources, you'll hear all sorts of, of different things with this. Um, and if you're a recovering Roman Catholic, perhaps you also have... <laughs> did you like that? Uh, I, I, God bless you, uh, and uh, glad you're here. Um, you know, but, but you might have learned some things from tradition or just extra-biblical sources, other revelation outside of Scripture that kind of influences some of that as well. And so obviously we always want to, as faithful Christians, go back to Scripture and see what it says about that. Okay? Enough of that. Let's, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Oh, there was one thing. I have to apologize already. I told you when, uh, before I decided to be your pastor, and I also told you when I arrived, that at some point I would make a mistake. And I did that already this morning. And my wife called me on it. Wives are good for that. In a good way. Um, at some point when I was ripping and roaring through my sermon, I mentioned that Mary and Elizabeth didn't know that each other were pregnant. And, and of course, right b before she comes, it's announced to Mary that her cousin Elizabeth is with child. So she knew Elizabeth was pregnant. And so I don't know why I said that. I knew better. But please forgive me for making a mistake on the scriptural narrative. You're supposed to say, I forgive you, Pastor. 
Thank you. See? So pastors are not infallible, by the way, just so you, you figured that out. Okay. Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles in front of you, and let's just take, uh, we're just going to kind of crank through kind of this first section a little bit. Um, so take a paragraph, three, four, five verses at a time, and I'll just kind of take volunteers to read. So Luke chapter 1. Bueller, Bueller, anyone? Okay, I'll read. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay? Uh, so Luke now dedicates uh, this uh, this narrative, this gospel, which is now a complete accounting, or not a complete, but an accounting of the life of Christ, the things that the Holy Spirit now reveals uh, to Luke. Luke, by the way, is some of the most difficult Greek to translate. Uh, Luke was, was a very learned man, a medical doctor, and he wrote with, uh, I call them big 50-cent words. So when they taught us Greek at the seminary, we didn't start with reading Luke's Koine Greek. We started with John. John was more of a, kind of a blue-collar uh, speaker, if you will, and writer. Much easier to translate and work through that. Verse 5, just raise your hand if you have questions. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, a few of the Jewish historians from the time, and I can't remember if it's um, Josephus or one of the other guys, records that at, at, at the time surrounding the birth of Christ, there were roughly 20,000 priests. Okay? So there were a lot so normally what they would do is they would live wherever their hometown was, and then they would come in and they would do anywhere from, usually it was about two to three weeks of service. So they would come in, they would live there at the temple, they would perform their duties, um, and if you're unfamiliar with any of that, you know, read especially the book of Leviticus, or we actually have another Australian by the name of Reverend Dr. John Kleinig, who just uh, concluded a commentary on Hebrews, which I always tell people is kind of like the second book of Leviticus. So he wrote a commentary both on Leviticus and one on Hebrews as well. And I don't know, have you done a study here on Leviticus in a while recently? Because I just finished one at my last parish, and I'd love to do it again. It's really good. They were just, we were just getting ready to study the book of Hebrews, and so now I've got to go back and do it over again, but that's okay. Uh, it's, it's all really good stuff. Okay, so anyway, so, so Zechariah is a priest, um, and so he's, he's coming in for service. And this is a really big deal. He got chosen by lot. So it wasn't a popularity vote. Um, they simply, the lot fell to him. So they chose different guys to do this. So this was a, this was a pretty big deal, that he gets to now go in and he gets to burn incense. Okay, okay, where am I? I gotta, I gotta put my readers back on. There we go, okay. Um, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
And one thing you can do, some of your Bibles, especially the study Bibles will have it, will be kind of an outline or a diagram of, of what the inside of the temple is like, right? So you've got the, 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 the most holy place, and then you've got the holy place, okay? And so the most holy place, of course, the high priest would only go into how often? Once a year. This is a big deal. Do you remember when he would do that? What time of year? Or what, what was the festival they were celebrating? Yom Kippur, which means what? Day of atonement. Big day. Huge day. Okay? All about the nephesh, the life that is in the blood. So there, there's, well, there's blood everywhere, but that's not very Christmassy, is it? Well, that's why we wear red, but anyway. Um, so, uh, so the altar of incense, if I remember correctly, when you walk in would be, uh, help me out here, Pastor Ullman and a few of you other theologians, would be on the right-hand side, I think, wasn't it? The right-hand side when you come in. Um, and so this was his job, was to burn incense there to do it. Uh, and to keep that incense going. So that, that was his, his job. So as he's standing there, uh, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And Zechariah was troubled when he, when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. By, by the way, angels, you know, you get these little kind of cherubs. Um, my wife's uh, grandmother had hummels. And uh, let's see, I've got some other people in my family. And a girl I dated years ago who was big into precious moments. Um, and I'm not knocking any of those. are all really cool. But... Whenever you see an angel, they're these friendly little, you know, jolly, maybe like red face, like they had too much wine or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> angels in scripture are never presented that way. They're always fearsome and awesome. They're, they're literally the bodyguard, bodyguards of the Lord. So if, if you're the type of person that's seen kind of a bodyguard, I was watching the, the Kansas-Arizona State game last night, which didn't end very well. Uh, and it was kind of late. But I noticed behind the Kansas bench was this big, burly guy. He looked like Mr. Clean. He even had an earring in his ear. And the whole basketball game, he was sitting there watching the stands. He wasn't watching the game. I could never be a bodyguard or a security guard. You know why? I want to watch basketball. <laughs> never once did he turn around. Every time they showed the bench with Coach Self and all the players, there's this guy scanning the audience. What's he looking for? People who might do something wrong. And that's kind of what the angels are like. The angels are there to do God's will, to protect, to serve, and they're serious about it. Okay? So every time someone sees an angel in the Bible, it's a wet your pants kind of moment. I mean, literally. You know, fear seizes them. You know, I mean, that would be kind of neat if Scripture talks about bowel movements, but it doesn't. Um, but it kind of gives you that impression from both the Hebrew and the Greek. This is a really big deal. And so here's Zechariah. He's a priest. He serves in the temple, which is really a very awesome thing in and of itself. Remember on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, what did he have tied around one of his feet? A rope. Right? Why? In case he did something wrong, or in case he just strokes out, dies, they can't go in and get him. They can't go administer CPR. They've got to pull him back out. This is holy stuff. This is big deal. Standing in the presence of God is a big deal. Now just connect the dots for the moment because you and I get to stand in the presence of God in the divine service. Same God. He hadn't changed. Except that who has come? Who's opened the curtain for you? Jesus has, right? Okay. So that's why we still have some reverence, some holiness, um, and, and, and why I would submit we, we, we don't want to lose that, right? It, it, it's a balance. Okay, all right, let's move on. 
Uh, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Obviously, they've been praying all these years. Uh, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. So, so this is huge. Been barren all this time. And now to have a kid. And so those of you, if you've struggled with that, or you've had friends or family member, you know how difficult this is. And now here, here Zechariah gets a beautiful word of gospel. Okay? He's going to be special. He's not going to drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and if you have a Bible, read it with me. What's the rest of it? Even from his mother's womb. So already we have a foreshadowing of what's going to take place, which is our gospel text, early service people, late service people, wait for it, it's coming. Okay, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So John the Baptist now is the, is the last and greatest prophet. right? Of course, you could make the argument that Jesus is the last and greatest prophet, but Jesus, remember, has a threefold office after the order of Melchizedek, right? Prophet, priest, and king. So John the Baptist, not a priest, not a king, so he's the last and greatest, singularly, prophet, okay? Um, and so he's going to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And that's why we spend so much time talking in Advent about John the Baptist. So I had somebody many years ago come up, oh, pastor, why did, did the church historically spend so much time on John the Baptist? Right? So last week we talked about John the Baptist being you know, bigger and older, and today you know, we talk about him being in his mother's tummy, and you're like, hey, I was trained to think like a Westerner. <laughs> I think chronologically. <laughs> right? uh, but of course, Scripture doesn't work that way, um, and it's all about John the Baptist being now the last and greatest thing to happen to take place before the coming of Jesus. So when John the Baptist appears, you should know what? And the people know what? What's about to happen? The Messiah has come, okay? So this is kind of like if any of you, are tra raise your hand if you're traveling on Christmas. No, not many of you. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> we'll, we'll be traveling, I don't know when, 27th, 28th, we'll go back to Kansas City, you know, and so, so say we figure out, you know, a couple hours ahead where we want to eat for lunch, right? So pick one of your favorite places to stop when you're traveling. Got a favorite one? Chick-fil-A, you say? That's a good one. Our boys like that one. So one of us gets on our Google smartphones, not the one that's driving, and oh, there's a Chick-fil-A, two hours up ahead, exit 245, don't quote me on that, in, I don't know, Illinois, or wherever, Missouri. And so now we're counting down the exits, right? Especially if your tummy's rumbling. The kids are looking out the window, and the exits are going by really slowly. But we got to get there. And you get there, and all of a sudden, exit 245 is there. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, I'm so hungry, it's time to eat. So John the Baptist is kind of like this whole highway of salvation. He's the exit now that you're going to take to go feast on Jesus. Got it? Um, and so when you have all these different exits given for us scripturally in the story of the Bible. And that's what's kind of fun to look at all these different you know, exits and places to stop to do this and to do that. But all of it has a, has a destination that's ending, okay? Okay, enough of that. You think I'm just crazy, don't you? <laughs> Zechariah said to the angel, now listen to the words of Zechariah, and this is what I wanted to focus you on a little bit today, because totally different from what we're about to hear later on. 
Zechariah, first of all, is a priest, right? Oh, those guys must be perfect. What a strong faith they have. And see, people will fall into this even in the church today. Oh, our pastors, they have such strong faith. What great examples. They're going to take our church through this and this, and they're going to do this for me. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Uh-uh. I mean, we'll do our best, and we're called to lead and guide, but we're poor, miserable sinners. Which is why at the beginning of the service, you might notice, we stand with you on the same level when we confess our sins. We stand there because we're sinners just like you. And we confess our sins together. Did you notice that slight change? Because that's an important one. Okay? If your faith is in your pastors or your leaders, your faith is misplaced. Your faith should be in Christ. Because your pastor will make a mistake. <laughs> okay, enough of that. So Zechariah says, how shall I know this? Oh, really? Should I believe? What Did God really say? Sound familiar? Same words of the serpent. How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years, right? Is the glass half full or half empty for Zechariah? Oh, it's half empty, right? All is done. That's it. That's it. I'm done. He gone. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. So the angel now reveals, um, and in some sense, there, there's, oh, I can't remember his, this would be an early church father who plays with uh, uh, the, the, the Greek, which of course the first translation was in Latin with this whole I am. So it's God's name and then Gabriel. So I am and then Gabriel. So you got this order of authority, but long story short, what it means is, I'm Gabriel, I'm an archangel, and I speak with the authority of the Most High God, right? He's a big, scary bodyguard angel, right? Um, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Now, if you're a parent and you're worried about your children, by the way, be reminded they've got angels surrounding them that care about them. What a wonderful, precious thought, especially if you're like Pastor Grady and you've got two girls in college, okay? Still got angels all around them. Not that they need it, they're perfect, right? Oh, I called you out, I said I wouldn't do that, okay. So, because Zechariah didn't believe these words because he doubted, which is really what, you know, sin in and of itself is simply, it's, it's doubting God's word. Okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that late service people when we talk about what a blessing is as well. It's all about doubting God's word. And so the punishment now for Zechariah uh, is that you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, segue, right? You can imagine in the movie. So here's this whole dialogue between Zechariah and Mr. Clean, right? Inside the, uh, the holy place. And now they pan to the outside and there's people waiting. They're standing around, right? Looking at their watches, checking their smartphones. Where is this guy? He's supposed to be out by now. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Oh my goodness, it's a long sermon today. <laughs> What's going on? Okay. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. 
And when his time of service was ended, which probably would have been, I think your study Bible says a couple of weeks. Scholars kind of go back and forth on that. We don't, we don't know all the exact times. But when he was done serving his time, then he goes home. But the whole time he serves, he's unable to speak. So imagine that. If you were to go to your job and be unable to speak or hear, and you've got to now work with your coworkers, your boss, customers, right? Can you imagine going to Bub's, you know, and you're ordering a burger, whatever. That'd be really difficult, wouldn't it? Okay. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Remember, after these things, so we're told to wait for it. Here it is. And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Okay. Now, the five months of keeping herself hidden, um, you know, is kind of interesting. I think this is where, you know, God reveals just the... <laughs> She's, she's an old lady, right? I mean, she's, she's older, and now she's finally pregnant. Um, and so she doesn't want to draw attention to herself. And so really these five months are probably best understood as just time of, of quiet thankfulness and, and, and realizing what God has done for her, okay? Uh, there wouldn't have any, been anything wrong if she were to go shout it from the roof, rooftops that, that she was finally pregnant, but that would probably seem a little silly, right? I mean, if a 25-year-old gets pregnant right? We're like, oh, it's so awesome. And at the same time, you're like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with diapers anymore. But God bless you. And I can't wait to be grandparents because I can love them, spoil them, and then leave them. Um, you take them home and bring them back, you know, un- unless you're watching your grandkids daily. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm getting off track now. Um, and so <laughs> anyway, so it's, it's five months. Now here we get into the story. You ready? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So this is the sixth month of who? Of Elizabeth. Got it? So this is the continuation of the story. So Elizabeth is pregnant for six months, and now the same angel Gabriel is sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was, do you know? Mary. Technically Miriam, by the way. But, but, but Mary is, is the transliteration that, that we've, we've pretty much used. And he came to her and said, uh, which was a very popular name, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was, oh, she too was troubled, right? I mean, you know, I mean, one thing for a big bad angel maybe to appear to a man, uh, a little old lady, 12, 13, 14 years of age, right? It's like, don't walk down that alley, Right? Um, you know, keep whatever mace with you and, and phone handy and all that fun stuff. Uh, and so, whoa. But now how does she respond? She was greatly troubled. And then we're told she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Right? So is my, my short life over? What, what, what's going on? Why is the Lord favored? Why am I favored by the Lord? And then the angel speaks to her again, because the angel's job, Malachi, is to be a messenger, to always convey God's message to his people. And what message does God always want to convey? Is it just law? Oh, you're good Lutherans, aren't you? Good Bible-believing Christians, it's law and it's both at the same time. So yeah, you're going to get law. You're going to have scary things happen to you in your life. You're going to have bad things happen to you. But who's with you? Who will bring good out of every evil situation? As Joseph told his brothers who threw him down the well and sold him into slavery. 
God even meant all these things for, for good. God, God will always bring good out of every situation for you. And that, that's where our faith now resides in that promise. Okay. Um, oh, come on. Put my glasses on. Uh, okay, don't be afraid, Mary. So here's the gospel. For you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how is this going to happen? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm engaged to a guy, and we'll talk a little bit about this late service people. I don't want to spoil too much of it. I'm engaged, but I'm, I'm, I'm tech, the, 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 the marriage hasn't been consummated yet. Right? We, we, we're, we're still living in our own houses with our parents and probably siblings. Okay, we're, we're engaged, but Joseph and I haven't been together, you know, to make babies. Um, how is this going to happen? And the angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So where's this baby going to come from? The normal act of procreation? It's going to come specifically from God because it is God. But where is now the word of God going to reside, going to take up residence? In her womb. Okay? So kind of hang on to that. This is, this is miraculous. This is amazing. This is why, um, you know, we as Christians should honor Mary. But we should not fall into the trap of worshiping her or praying to her. Okay? And for that, I'm going to take you to the Magnificat, because throughout our hymnal, you'll see the Magnificat in several places. Okay, uh, One is the Vesper service, which we've been using on Wednesday nights here through Advent. Uh, this is really kind of more an afternoon, kind of early evening service. Okay, And uh, do you think you know this? You want to sing it with me? I'm going to try and sing to you and throw things if I hit the wrong notes. Um, so this is now the song of Mary. And I want you to listen closely to what she says. Okay. My soul magnifies. Oh, wait, that's not right. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he, he has regarded, miss that one, the lowliness of he, his handmaiden. For be he hold from this day, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things to me, and holy is his name. Anything so far about Mary talking about how she deserves this, or she's important, or you need to focus anything on her? This is all straight from scripture, by the way. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Right? His mercy is on who? Those who do what? Oh, big bad angel coming to knock me down because I deserve it. Because I'm a sinner. Because the wages of sin is death. Got it? Okay. And he's shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud, right? Uh, so, so take heed. <laughs> take heed, right, when you stand, lest, lest you fall, right? That whole, the whole concept of having a big head about yourself. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the 
He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. Right? So, I mean, that's a good question as a Christian. Am I hungry? Am I hungry for God's word? Am I hungry for hearing again and again the promise of what God has done in Christ Jesus and receiving what I need, namely for, uh, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? You know, I've had members over the years come up and say, oh, you talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper and absolution all the time. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> and I'm like, Really? <laughs> I mean, if the Lord said there was a cure for cancer and you had cancer, what would you do? My grandma turned 100 last year. She's the one I mentioned, smoked six packs a day up until she was 90. And uh, two days ago, I get a call, I get a text message and a call that she's gone to the hospital. She's in a nursing home up in Minnesota, lived a long life. And uh, she wasn't doing well. And so I get a hold of my mom. My mom you know, hurriedly drives up from Kansas City to go be with her in St. James, Minnesota. She's in the hospital and she said, you know, it's, it's, it's good news and it's bad news. It's good news because grandma's ready to go to heaven to be with her Lord. And it's probably time. The bad news is, you know, she's got a, a bile duct obstruction and it's caused, they found pancreatic cancer and there's no cure for that and she's been you know, can't keep food down, and okay. Some of you might have been through this with loved ones, right? And so, so yesterday, I'm kind of stewing about this, and my wife kept asking me if I was okay and everything. And I mean, when things kind of hit us that way, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know my grandma's faith that has been given her as a baptized child of God. I, I don't want her to suffer, right? But, but I also want to keep her around, <laughs> I mean, but, but see, that's, not, that's always kind of odd. Her mind is sharp as a tack, but she can't hear or see worth a lick nor walk. So her life has really changed a lot the last five to ten years. So I, I'm excited and joyful that the Lord now has revealed plans to take her home. But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm going to miss her, right? And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up to, to Minnesota before she passes. But that's why we've tried to go back each summer to see her, right? You know how this is. So for us as Christians, it's, it's always a beautiful balance of law and gospel. He's filled the hungry with good things. What is my grandma hungry for right now? What's she hungry for? Heaven. Okay. Which is not the resurrection, although I'm sure she's hungry for that as well. Heaven is, is resting from your labors, abiding with, with, with uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the saints above, and, and waiting for, for Christ's return. We go till 10.30, right? Sorry. Um, so, so she's hungry for that. And I, and I love that. I love that about her, okay? I don't love my goofy family who asked me to do her funeral. So I'm not her pastor. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I just let me be the family member and come and do that. Um, even though her, her uh, female pastor, well, anyway, let's uh, let go. Um, uh, old ALC Lutherans, now ELCA. Um, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. You can't you hear anything in what Mary says 
that is extolling herself or recognizing that she's some sort of special intercessor. Okay? Um, you know, I, I've had a lot over the years, wonderful um, Lutheran Christians who are, you know, recovering Roman Catholics. And, 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 and most of them have told me one of the most difficult things for them to untrain themselves is the whole concept of praying to Mary. Because they were taught to do it from a young age. Uh, that Mary was there to hear their prayers, to intercede before Christ. And we don't have that promise anywhere in Scripture. Mary is blessed above all women because in her womb was planted that seed, right? The, the, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we should honor her for that. Um, and she most likely, most scholars and church fathers will talk about, you know, Mary having kind of a special place in heaven. And you know what? That's appropriate. But that doesn't mean that she's got special ability and power, Right? And so all that comes from extra-biblical sources. Now, our reformers really highlighted this. And they did so in one place. If you have a book of Concord, if you don't know what that is, come see me or Pastor Grady afterwards. Um, and in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, uh, this would be um, Article Now uh, 21, which is all about invocation of the saints. So when you hear the word invocation, what do we do at the beginning of every service or when you pray? What do you do? You invoke God's name, okay? It could be very simple as we teach our preschoolers. Dear Jesus, right? Okay. Uh, dear Father in heaven, or as we begin the divine service, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, we're invoking God's name because we believe where that name is, there is God. Got it? Because the Word, and how do we know that's possible? Because the Word became flesh and the word now is also, isn't it? It's an amazing thing, okay? Uh, so it's invocation of the saints. So uh, some of what has happened over the years in the Christian church uh, is uh, taught to now invoke the saints, call upon them. Okay, in the Orthodox church, we don't get, let them get off the hook either. You know what an icon is? I, I, I met, a, met a wonderful man. He was an Orthodox priest in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, uh, and when I met him the first time, I had no idea he was an Orthodox priest because he was, he was riding his Harley and he was all dressed in leathers and I met him at the bar. <laughs> and I come to find out he's an Episcopal priest. He was really a great guy. And I ended up actually buying an old Harley Sportster from him, but that's another story we'll have to have another time. Um, and when I go over to his house, I, I walk in you know, the house and all the way in his house are all these pictures of all these saints and the Holy Family. And I'm like, Wow. That's a lot of artwork. Okay, and I was, I was kind of complimenting him, and I was kind of, you know, like, dude, you know, you having, having problems with evil spirits or something? Or, you know? And he's like, well, he goes, that's how I know God is with me. Through the pictures hanging on the wall. Because, see, for, uh, a, 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 for, for him, as an Orthodox, wherever there was an icon or a picture, that was God's presence literally there. Right? So these were like living pictures, which, which always kind of freaked me out, right? It's like the picture where the eyes follow you that you look at. And you're like, whoa, that's freaky, all right? Um, and my wife has a doll cabinet in our house, and it's got lots of dolls in it. If you walk by it at night and you see all their little eyes, I don't think I've ever told her that bothered me, but, you know. So I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Uh, so, but they believe that the presence of God is there through the pictures. Do we believe that? 
No, it's where God's word and sacraments are. Those are the only two places he's promised. So that's why we speak God's name. So if you're ever in the presence of evil, say God's name out loud. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't have to cross yourself. That in and of itself isn't going to do anything. Although it might serve to remind you that you were baptized, that God's given you his name. Confess your faith, say the Apostles' Creed. That's why the shortest one is in the Catechism. And say the Lord's Prayer. And trust and believe that the Lord protects you from sin, death, and the devil. Okay? All right. So, okay, do I have time? Oh, man, I talk too much. Okay. So I wanted to read to you this short passage here. This is Article 21, Invocation of the Saints. So the question is this. Since Christ has been appointed intercessor and high priest, why do we seek others? And this is the sin we fall into. We look someplace else other than Christ. Other than understanding what the incarnation in the flesh was all about. Whether it's to Mary, whether it's to a pastor, a president, a boss, a paycheck, retirement accounts. Right? If anybody of you are investing, um, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Calm down. I know the market's been a little rough lately. The Lord will provide, okay? Um, but, but you look to now Christ for this reason. So here it is. So here and there, this form of absolution is used. The passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merits of the most blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints be to you for the forgiveness of sins. So that was an absolution that was common back in the time of the Reformers. So why do you get forgiveness? Just because of that guy? Oh no, did you catch it? The passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merits of the most blessed Virgin Mary, and of all the saints be to you for the forgiveness of sins. So you're able to be forgiven, why? Because Mary was a good girl. Because the saints did holy, amazing things. Do you hear that anywhere in Scripture? You don't. That's all Jesus plus something else. So then the reformers write, Here the absolution is pronounced on the theory that we are reconciled and regarded righteous, not only by Christ's merits, but also by the merits of the other saints. Some of us have seen a doctor of theology dying. A certain theologian, a monk, was enlisted to comfort him. He pressed on the dying man nothing but this prayer, Mother of grace, protect us from the enemy, receive us in the hour of death. Granted, the Blessed Mary does pray for the church, but does she receive souls in death? What do you think? No. Does she conquer death? No. Does she make alive? No. What does Christ do if the Blessed Mary does these things? What's the role of Jesus then? And so, you know, when I'm dealing with people that are coming from other backgrounds and they come to church or they... They, 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 they get to know me or whatever. They meet me at the bar and find out I'm a pastor. I don't hang out in the bar that often, but, you know, they're like, you know, and you start talking about these things, and, you know, we want to slowly get to the heart of the matter. And let me just finish up. Although she is most worthy of the most plentiful honors, yet she does not want to be made equal to Christ. Instead, she wants us to consider and follow her example, which is just faith. The very subject reveals that in public opinion, the Blessed Virgin has taken over Christ's place. 
People have invoked her, have trusted in her mercy, and through her have wished to appease Christ as though he were not an atoning sacrifice, but only a dreadful judge and avenger, right? Jesus is Mr. Clean, right? He's the front door, okay? And I actually had a Roman Catholic priest tell me this once. You know, Jesus stands at the front door, Mary's at the back door. And Mary's much more welcoming. So most people will come into the church through Mary because she's not scary, right? Okay? Okay, so just, just, just kind of think about that. Um, we believe, however, we must not trust that the saints' merits, Mary or any other saint, um, are applied to us, that because of these, oh, uh, we must not trust that the saints' merit are applied to us, or that because of these, God is reconciled, reconciled to us, regards us just, or saves us. For here we go. We receive forgiveness of sins only by Christ's merit when we believe in him. Faith alone justifies. Of the other saints, it's been said, 1 Corinthians 3.8, each will receive his wages according to his labor. That is, they cannot continually give their own merits, one to the other, as the monks might sell their merits to their orders. Okay, there's a lot more that you can read about it if you want. But long story short, let us this Christmas season continue to come back to the simple faith and trust of exactly what God has done in his enfleshment, his incarnation, of God becoming man in the form of Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And let us look at Zechariah, and when we doubt, <laughs> when we fear, uh, may we repent and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, because I've doubted that you are going to provide for me. Okay, And he always does, and he has, through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Okay, that's it. Peace be with you. Amen. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.